The Leaderpreneur Show, Episode 30, Building Team Trust and Behind the Scenes. Let's go. Welcome back, my friends, to The Leaderpreneur Show, the podcast for leaders to deepen their knowledge while exploring an entrepreneurial journey of their own. I'm your host, Stephen Faust, and I'd like to personally thank you today for taking the time to join us for some leadership discussion and learn how we are operating our online businesses behind the scenes. If you like the show, I'd encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by going to leaderpreneurshow.com and smashing that subscribe button. You can subscribe on any of the podcast directories out there. So just pick the one that works best for you. And we'd be honored to have you as a regular listener. Today, as always, I'm joined by my great friend, my co-host, my partner in crime, He's from Atlanta, Georgia. He's Michael Tanner. Michael, my friend, how are you doing this week, sir? Man, Stephen, I'm good. How about yourself? Ah, doing well. Doing great. You know, it's 104 degrees in Phoenix, Arizona today. I've been in the pool. Yeah, it's 104. It's going to be that way probably three out of the next five days. And I've been in the pool with the kids. And and um, yeah, summer is here, my friend. 104 degrees. Yes, but it's a... Uh... As we like to say about everywhere else here in Atlanta, yes, but it's a dry heat. It right? is. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so, no, we we haven't came uh, close to that. Uh, I think our highest uh, temperatures so far have been maybe 81 to 85 degrees. Maybe we've hit 85 or so. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. But luckily for us, too, the humidity hasn't kicked in yet. Uh, so, it's still the wind blow is blowing. Yeah. We've had a lot of rain here lately as well. But uh I'm not looking forward to the July, August, you know, the 90 to 95 degree days with 100% humidity. That's not what I'm looking forward to here in Atlanta. I hear you. Those remind me of my days of living in Florida, and it's uh, not a dry heat. It's a sticky, messy heat. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So Awesome. So uh, great, great to hear you're doing well. I'm doing well. What's on tap for us this week, my friend? Hey, so uh, last week I promised our audience we'd talk a little bit about trust and specifically about building trust within uh, your team, right? Looking at this from the aspect of you're the leader of a team and you want to build a higher level of trust within that team. Uh, and maybe, maybe what we ought to just, before we even talk about how to build trust, maybe we ought to talk about a little bit why. Why do you even need to build trust? Why is that even important? And I think one of my favorite books that I'll, I'll lead all of our audience to, to go and read on that topic of why trust is important in your team, go read um, Stephen, I, I believe it's M.R. Covey, Stephen M.R. Covey's book, uh, The Speed of Trust, The Speed of Trust. It's a fabulous book. And what it describes for you, it describes why is trust within your team? Why is it so important? And, and just to hit a few of the highlights, it's so important because it reduces all of the transactional debt, if you will, that, that takes place within a team when you don't have trust. You know, when someone says do something in a high trust team, 
you just go do it. But then when someone says go do something in a low trust team, well, well, why do we have to do that? And you you have all this transactional back and forth before anything actually gets done, right? And so there's tremendous reason to build trust within your team. And I would highlight that book. But what about you, Stephen? Any thoughts on why is trust, uh, you know, in your team? Why is that even important? Yeah, it reminds me of being in the military, and when when you're when you're talking about that and trust, you know, when the when the commander or the first sergeant or someone in charge says uh, go do something, you just kind of do it, right? And you you'd like to think that you just don't do it blindly. It it's because you've built this relationship and comfort with each other that's enabled you to have this have this trust, and it's it's something that the military really bases a lot on because in, in times of uh, dire consequence, there's not a lot of opportunity to get to the why and how do we feel about it? And, and, you know, let's have a, let's have a, a session around it. Maybe we can all bring our ideas to the table. Unfortunately, that just isn't the case in the military and, and all the things they do in the military is to build that trust. So you can get to that outcome very quickly. But when you talk about the world that we live in and that many of our listeners live in where you know, people do question things. People do want to know why. People do want to understand, are you sincere? People do want to make sure that what you're telling them makes sense. It just goes to this this different way of relationship building, and you have to be really good at it. We talk about credibility is, is so critical and key to, to leadership. Well, right there with it is, is this thing called trust, and everything in, in leadership is built on the backbone of credibility and trust. And without it, it you, it's hard to imagine an organization that can that can be effectively over the long haul. So it's just something that um, you've got to have in, in leadership, you've got to have with your team. And without it, you are really climbing a pretty steep hill. Yeah. You know, for me, it, it comes down to, I'm a, I consider myself a team guy. I love team sports, team activities, things like that. I, I certainly love being kind of in the in the coaching coaching role as well as it relates to being in a team environment. And and I just assure you that it doesn't matter what you're whether you're in a military team, whether you're in a sports team, a corporate team, whatever type of team you're in, I promise you those teams that trust one another, they're going to by far outperform those teams where trust is lacking inside the team. It's just, it's just the way teams work. When there's trust involved in the team, they outperform. Even, even those teams that lack trust, but they have superstars on their team, you're going to take a, you know, a team full of just, just regular Joes, but when they really trust one another, they'll, they'll outperform that team of rock stars um, every time. When, when trust is not in, you know, in the team. And so that's why it's so important. And so I thought what we talk about today, Stephen, is just a few tips. Uh, we've got a few bullet points around how do you build trust within the team? And again, let's consider it from the viewpoint of you're the leader of a team and you recognize that either trust is, is not there at all or it's low enough that it's hindering your performance in some way. And you're asking yourself as a leader, well, how do I build up trust, right? How do I increase the trust that's in my team? And so my first bullet that we're going to discuss here, Stephen, it's going to start with you. You as the leader, 
you as a leader, first and foremost, you have to be trustworthy. And if you're asking yourself, how can I build trust in my team? Then you've got to start with you. And, and that starting with you means how can I be, how can I ensure that I'm trustworthy? Now, obviously, you know, obviously what that means, what that means is your team, they trust you as a leader. We've talked about credibility being the foundation of, of uh, leadership and, and, you know, how they have to believe, they have to trust that you can lead them and so forth. But there's many other ways for you to become trustworthy within your team. But that's what you have to focus on first. You have to leave them with zero excuse not to trust you as their leader. And let me tell you, the first, in, in my mind, the first and most important thing that you can do to become trustworthy is just simply do what you say you're going to do. Just do what you say you're going to do. If you, if you get in a habit of telling your team, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that, but then you don't actually do it, it seems really, really small. And oftentimes those little things can, can kind of, you know, pass you by and you don't even recognize it. But every time you do that, you're taking a ding to, to your trustworthiness. I think that's a word. Um, you, you're taking a big ding to that, right? You, you, you're not being trustworthy to your team anytime you just kind of, and again, we say it so innocently, we don't even recognize it. Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll talk to so-and-so about that for you. And then we never do. Um, and so if you want to become trustworthy to your team as their leader, I think one of the most important things you can do is just simply do what you say you're going to do every single time. What's your thoughts there, Steve? Yep. In other words, don't be a hypocrite, right? So we cannot be a hypocrite. And one of the things I have to say before uh, I go further is you're a guy who likes team sports. You must be dying right now with everything going on, man. You just don't know, man. I tell you. What this nonsense about the virtual NFL draft this past week? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was better than nothing. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. I watched like five minutes of it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, no Final Four. There's no baseball. Not that I'm a baseball guy. There, you know, I, I'd be any type of sports guy right now. It just it was on, right? I would watch soccer right now. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I don't know if I'm going that far. I'm not, you know, soccer is really, that's, that's gotta be, uh, that's, that's tough right there. But, you know, to your point uh, uh, around the team, yeah, you cannot be hypocritical. And, you know, I think of it as, as every single day throughout the day, day in and day out, week in and week out, you are making these tiny deposits into the trust account as a leader, right? That's what you do. That's what you do. And how do you do that? Well, you do that by doing what you say you're going to do. When you say you're going to follow up, you follow up. When you say you're going to find out, you find out. When you say uh, you're going to give feedback, you give feedback. And and when you say uh, anything to people on your team that is a commitment that you're taking on, you do what you say. So rule number one, if you're not going to do it, don't say it, number one, because we can all get a little excitable in a moment and make, make uh, so many commitments that our, we can, our mouth can, can make promises that our body and mind can't, can't adhere to. Right. So it's easy because it's always easy to say, yeah, we'll do that. We'll take care of that. We'll do that. But then you do how much of it. So take a step back and think about those things that you do on a daily basis and think about the commitments you make, even the small ones that seem so 
innocent and superficial that it doesn't really rise to what you might think is, yeah, well, you know, that's kind of just conjecture. That's just everybody says that. Well, the truth is everyone does say that. And the bigger truth is that very few people do what they say. So if you want to be different, if you want to stand out, if you want to uh, stand above the crowd, do what you do what you say. And then more importantly, don't say things that you're not willing to make a personal or professional commitment to do. If you just do that, your, your level of trust, your level of credibility is going to go through the roof because when you don't do something, but you didn't make a commitment, people won't be standing around going, oh, you know, I kind of thought he was going to do that. And maybe, maybe I'll just keep waiting for another day or two. I'm sure he'll do it. And then you have this disorganized uh, uh, organization and team that is really disconnected from what they think is supposed to happen and will never happen because your mouth got ahead of your ability to keep up with it. So just keep that in mind. So Make these deposits on a regular basis to the trust account. That way you are building that balance up. And then when you build, like any bank account, when you build enough of a balance time after time, year after year, decade after decade, the balance will become so great that you will have this such this goodwill around the organization because you're a person, a man, a, a lady of commitment and consequence, and, and you stick to what you say. Uh, it's going to be amazing to see the benefit and outcome that that'll have in your life and in the life of your team. So those are some of my early thoughts, Michael. Yeah, man, Stephen, you you really hit on a few things there that that I struggle with. Um, you know, I think for me, I, I'm the typical guy in that I'm, you know, I'm a fixer, right? I, if someone says, well, I'm struggling with that or I can't figure that out or I can't get to overcome this little hurdle or, man, I just want to fix it. I want to fix it. I want to fix it. I want to fix it. Um, and you know, if I add on top of that, my kind of my leadership approach, you know, we've talked about here, uh, lead measures of leadership before and how, how we measure that. And I've talked about on, on our podcast before how one of my lead measures is I try to keep a record of how many action items do I take on myself for the purpose of helping someone within my team, to, you know, overcome some hurdle or, or obstacle or, or figure something out. Right. So I'm trying to be really, really proactive to take action items to help out my team. And then this natural tendency of within me to, to be a fixer. And what happens to me, and I have to really, really be careful of this. You know, I have six one-on-one -on -one meetings every single week. And before I know it, in those six one-on-one -on -one meetings, I've committed to so much stuff, I can't possibly get it all done. Uh, and so I have to really, really be careful about that because, you know, while while committing to do those things to help out the team, it feels good. It feels like I'm doing my leadership activity of of taking on action items, and and it it, it fulfills that that need to be a fixer uh, in me. But before I know it, if I've committed to too many things, you know, my trustworthiness is going to begin to take a ding because some of those things are not going to get done. And so I just have to be really, really careful. Now, now, make sure you understand me. I'm not saying that as a leader, well, you just shouldn't commit to anything. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll, be, I'll play it safe. I just won't commit to anything for my team. And therefore, you know, uh, my trustworthy, well, no, 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 that's not the way it works, right? You've got you've to make these commitments to your team. Uh, but to your point, Stephen, what you've got to, when you say it, You've got to make a personal commitment then that you're going to get that done. 
And if you feel like you're about to make a statement to, about, some, you know, if you're about to make a commitment to something to one of your team members and it's not something you feel like you can make that personal commitment to, it's better just not to even say it, not to even commit to it than it is to say, yeah, I'll do that for you and then not do it. And I struggle with that mightily just because, you know, I want to fix it. When someone mentions it, I want to be the guy that swoops in and fixes it. But every time I do that, if I, if I don't actually follow through with it, then I'm hurting my trustworthiness with my team. And that's not going to help me build trust within the rest of the team. If I do that, you, you know, uh, I have to acknowledge something too. Uh, I suffer from the same thing, right? We all do, right? Any leader that sits back and tells you that they do everything they say every time without fail, no questions asked, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to go sell them some swamp land somewhere because I just don't buy it. Right. So it's not about ever property in Arizona. Right? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Well, uh, 104, I certainly welcome some, but I tell you, it's, it's all leaders struggle with this. It's, it's not about, do we struggle or not? It's, it's, do we recognize the struggle and do we say, you know what, I'm, I'm overloading, my mouth is overloading myself here and I need to think differently about it. So we all suffer from that. I suffer from that. I'm a fixer too. And I, when I see one of the challenges I have is I meet with my team and, and a problem comes up. I'm just like chomping at the bit saying, okay, here's the solution. Here's the solution. I have to force myself to to step back and to guide them down a path that helps them discover the solution. But I'm not suggesting for a moment it's, it's easy or it's natural or it's something that just uh, I, I gravitate towards that position just, just because it, it's, it's a work. It's work in process for me all the time. And I just want to cut to the chase and get to the solution. And I'm not even sure my solution's right. I just know it's a solution made. I'm moving on to the next issue. Right. Yeah. So um, I have, I fight that, I fight that monster a lot and I think a lot of people do, but you know, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be a good podcast episode if I didn't bring up Zig Ziglar. So of course, that's right. You know, you know, good old Zig. So Zig Ziglar had this saying that says, you know, people, I don't know, he may have been returning, uh, uh, referring to his wife. I'm not sure the redhead, but what, oh. but what he said was, you know, people talk at about uh, 250 words a minute with gusts up to about 550. So when you gust from a normal pace to 550 and in that extra 300 words a minute that you're gusting to come all of these commitments and promises that you make, right? Come all of the things that, that feel great to say it, boy, if we just do this and I'm going to do that and we're going to do this and then I'm going to give you this and then I'm going to follow up on that and then we're going to go look at this. And boy, do you feel good because of all these commitments and just imagine life if all of that was done and fantastic, but the reality is it's not going to get done, right? So yes. don't overload the reality of what can be done because it, it, it would be better to do less but do everything you committed to than to yes. do things that are going to solve world hunger and fall short on every single one of them. So uh, it's just something to think about something for our, for our listeners to consider. Michael and I have been in, in the, and we still have it, you know, we overcommit sometimes and it's done out of a, a, a good place. It's done out of a, a, a heart out of our heart. And, but sometimes right. it's just hard to, hard to follow through. So you've just got to learn and find the tipping point, the balance point, that allows you to 
to commit the things that you know you can commit and follow through on and then uh, take it from there. Once you do that, you're going to be a much better leader. You're going to have much more credibility, much more trustworthiness, and your team is going to look to you as someone that they can really count on. Yeah. And and there's so much additional that we could talk about around being trustworthy. I mean, you got to communicate well. You you got to be willing to be really patient with your communication so that you can always be, you know, communicating why we're, you know, why you're doing something, why you're making some decision, why you're moving in some direction or while you, you know, why do you need to, to do this extra work on this project, whatever it might be, you, you know, you got to be really patient and careful with your communication. Um, therefore your, your motives can never be in question and, and just things like that, that you so, so they, they feel so small, but if you do them consistently, it's what builds trustworthiness, right? It's what it, it's why your team begins to trust you as a leader because you're doing all of these things. Now let's, but let's get to bullet point number two that I have here around uh, the ways that you can begin to build trust in your team. The first, you're going to look at yourself and become trustworthy. The second thing that I would suggest to you as the leader here is you have to first trust. You've got to trust your team first before you can expect them to trust you. You've got to trust them, right? Likewise, before you can expect them to start trusting one another, you've got to trust them first. Here's what that looks like. Okay. Um, if you have, uh, if you've ever had, for instance, a micromanaging boss, if you ever, ever been a part of a, uh, you know, a team where the, the leader or your boss was a micromanager. Well, then I'll, I always say that a person is a micromanager because of one of two reasons. One, they may just be just control freaks, right? They just can't handle a situation where they don't feel like they're in control of everything. The second cause of being a micromanager is they don't trust those on their team to do the job well or to get it done or to do you know, the way they want it done or whatever it might be, right? They just don't trust. Well, if you've ever had that leader before or that boss before that was a micromanager, I promise you did not trust them as your leader. You didn't because they didn't first trust you. Right? They didn't extend trust to you. Therefore, you're not going to extend trust to them. And so as a leader of this team, one of the first things that you've got to do is you've got to begin to extend trust to each of the members on your team. And, it, you know, you, obviously you got to be on the lookout and make sure you're not micromanaging them and so forth. But what you want to do is you want to start giving them, it's almost a, a, an act of delegation as well. You want to start to give them outcomes and, and trust that they're going to deliver that outcome that you've given to them, right? You're not giving them specific tasks. You're not telling them exactly how to do something or, you know, what order that you want things done in or whatever. You're just giving them an outcome. And you're saying, hey, here's what we need. What we need is we need a report that gives us this information on a weekly basis. Done. You've given them an outcome. Now let them go figure out how to build that report on a weekly basis and, and things like that. Uh, so you've got to trust your team. If you can't first trust the team members, 
Don't expect them to trust you, but also don't expect them to start trusting each other either. I mean, you're the, you're the leader here. You're the example setter, right? And again, if, if you extend trust to them, well, now they're equipped to extend trust back to you, but they're also equipped to sit, extend trust to other team members, right? So you've got to set the example. You've got to be purposeful and intentional to first trust your team members. What do you think about that, Stephen? Yeah, to me, you have to show your team what trust looks and feels like. And the way you do that is that you begin trusting them. Maybe you can't do it on a wholesale level because maybe you're new to the organization. Maybe you have a new team and you're not quite there yet, but that doesn't mean you can't start small. Doesn't mean you can't begin the process. And to do that, it's, it's small things begin to demonstrate trust. I love the, I love the way you talked about micromanaging and and not to do it because there's nothing that says I trust you zero more than micromanagement, right? Because it's the ultimate slap in the face when it comes to trust, trusting in someone, because not only do you have to tell them what needs to be done, you have to tell them how to do it, tell them how to get there, then tell them probably it wasn't good enough after you've given them every step to do. And it's always their fault. It's always somebody else. It's always outward from the micromanager. And that is the biggest indicator, the biggest example of what trust is not. So that's key. That's critical. And you got to show them. You got to show them what trust looks like. You got to show them what trust feels like. You got to start small. You've got to build trust over time. Again, it's these deposits that you have to make. You have to, you have to kind of, you have this, this rope that's tight and you begin to loosen this rope up slowly, but surely over time. And it's okay. It's okay for mistakes to occur, right? So we have to remember that we're human beings and we're people. We're learning about each other. We're learning our our strengths, our weaknesses, our limitations, our skill sets, our 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 knowledge of the business and different things like that. So it's okay to make mistakes, but by allowing mistakes, you're also creating trust. By allowing mistakes, you're also learning capability. And that all goes hand in hand with trust. And when you maybe get an outcome, you say, hey, I need you to get to this finish line and you go figure it out. And let's say they stumble along, they trip, they they scrape their knees up a little bit. They stand up. They get to the finish line, but they were later than you would have liked. It cost more than you would have liked. Doesn't mean you beat them over the head. That means you gave them that uh, expectation and that and that challenge. They did it. Maybe there was a few mistakes. Take that as an opportunity to sit with them at one of your one-on-ones and talk about the outcome. Talk about what was learned. Talk about maybe alternatives if they had to do over again, if they would have done things differently. Not only have you allowed trust to become more embedded in your team and organization, but you've created an atmosphere where now there's an open dialogue, a feedback loop in a way that people can recognize that, hey, you know, if I do make a mistake, I'm not going to get beat over the head for it. I'm going to be able to go you know, ask questions of my supervisor, or my manager, or my leader, and they're going to help me figure out a way to do it better. I can't think of a better example uh, of trust than something like that occurring in our organization. Yeah, no, you bring up a really, really good point there, Stephen, especially around maybe you're new to a group or, or there's new team members and, and here as a leader, you're trying to extend trust. Well, you can't be risky with this extension of trust, right? You, you, you've got to, you still got to lead uh, with the right level of risk involved and so forth. And so, you know, you got a brand new team member, you barely know them. 
Well, sure, you're not going to just give them and just, quote, trust the most important activities of your team. And you're going to build up that level of trust slowly, right? But you're going to, you're going to do it incrementally. As you said earlier, you're going to start with small things that you give them and you trust them to accomplish that. And then over time, those things that you're giving them is bigger and gets bigger and bigger and bigger, right? It's, it's, it's essentially the, the process by which, or, or, you know, the, uh, of uh, delegation, right? Uh, if you're delegating to your people, you don't just dump on them or on someone, the, the largest activity, you know, mo- most risky activity that you do today, you don't just dump that on them. You, you start delegating small activities to them and let that grow over time. And the same with trust, right? It, it, again, you, you trust them with the small things, let them deliver to that. Um, to, to your point, maybe they don't deliver exactly the way you wanted it or whatever. Okay. Well, there's a coaching opportunity, not a, not an opportunity for you to persecute them, but there's a coaching opportunity. And then now next time you're going to trust them with a little bit more. And and now they're the second time they're equipped with a higher level of trust from you and some coaching that you've already given them with the previous, right. And it just kind of snowballs as you can see. Um, and before you know it, you're, you're just, you can, I hate to call it blindly trusting them, but I mean, you can get to the point where you have such good working relationships with these people that it's almost essentially blindly trusting them. Just look, I'm going to tell Stephen to do this. And I, I just know he'll get it done. I just trust him. Right. I don't even know how he'll do it. I don't even know if he knows how he's going to do it, but I just trust that he'll do it. And so I'm going to, you know, again, it's, I hate to use the word blindly trusting him, but it's almost that, right. You'll build up to the point where you have, uh, and I'm, I don't want to get to my next bullet point too quickly, but you'll build up to the point where you've got a, a relationship with those individuals that you just kind of trust them. You just, I'll, I, I feel like I can give Steven anything and he'll get it done. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's not that you know how they're going to do it or anything, but you know, and I'll liken this with my team. So I've, I have a bunch of new leaders, uh, several new leaders on my team and, and I don't have a, you know, years and years of experience with them. But I can tell you that if you hire well and you do your due diligence and then you put, you give people the opportunity and the environment to thrive and then you watch them and you, and you see how that comes about. Now, after four or five months, what I can tell you is, is that there are certain members of my team that I don't know how they're going to do something. I don't know how they're going to approach something, but I trust them to do it. and. I'm not even sure they're going to do it without errors and mistakes, but I know there's going to be based on the relationship and leadership is relationship. Like we always say that I don't know how all this is going to happen and I don't have a tremendous history with them, but I can tell you that I know enough to know that they understand their limiting boundaries. They understand. And I feel really comfortable that if they get to a point where they are going off the rails a little bit, they are strong leaders and self-confident enough to say, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to go talk to, you know, so-and-so about it. And we're going to pause until we get some a better clarity or better impression here, or maybe something's changed. It's not these, these leaders who don't get the opportunity to lead that are micromanaged, that they can't make a decision for anything. 
The leaders that I have and that we want are the ones that can make the mistakes, recognize boundaries, know when to say stop, know when to ask questions, know when that risk meter hits a, this extent that they now need to get others involved. And there's a there's a comfort as a leader knowing that I have people that work for me that think that way. And I know for them to know that they feel that there is a safety net for them if they should get into this lane that they don't feel comfortable with. So um, I liken it to that. And I think um, I think if you have that healthy give and take, push and pull in a relationship and this trust, your organization is absolutely, absolutely going to be the beneficiary. And you're going to do things that um, uh, haven't been done in the past because people were overcommitted, uh, not, not following through and not trusting each other. And therefore you had built in limitations onto the, onto what the organization had as possibility. So that's how I look at it. Good points. Good point, Stephen. Um, let's, let's jump in. I, I kind of took us here already a little bit, but I'm sure our audience has heard us talking about relationships and leadership and all that uh, enough to know what my third bullet point is going to be. Um, but as a leader and you are leading this team and, and you want to build trust as the leader, one of the most important things I, I feel like you can do to build trust in your team is you have to enable the team to build relationships and even be vulnerable with one another. These closer, deeper relationships, and even these relationships where there's vulnerability present, that's where trust can really thrive. That that's the kind of environment, team environment, that will really foster, uh, you know, a high level of trust. Is when people know each other. Uh, they they have a relationship such that they know each other outside of just the you know, the eight hour workday or outside of just the, the walls of the office, they actually know each other. They know about each other's families, but also there's gotta be an element in this relationship of vulnerability. Now I know when I talk about vulnerability, a lot of people, and especially a lot of leaders, they, they kind of have this allergic reaction to this idea of vulnerability and Ooh, that's touchy feely stuff. And and nobody wants to do that and, and, and all. And, and I agree, you're right, they don't. Uh, but it's because it's really, really hard. Uh, nobody really uh, trusts each other enough to be vulnerable with one another. And so that's, you know, when, when you get to the level within your team where you can see vulnerability happening among team members, then you know trust is being built. Uh, and so when I say as a leader, You've got to enable this. You've got to enable these relationships. You've got to enable this uh, vulnerability. You've got to lead your team into building those relationships and, and expressing vulnerability. And there's a number of different ways you can do this. Here's one of the ways that I like to do this, especially if you have a, if you, maybe you have a weekly team meeting, a weekly staff meeting, or maybe it's even more frequently than weekly. Um, if it's more frequently than weekly, this suggestion may not be the right one for you, but maybe if you do weekly staff meetings, uh, what you would want in that weekly team meeting is you would want everyone to express some type of high and some type of low that they specifically experienced throughout the past week, maybe, right? So let's say you're meeting every Monday. 
Well, as a part of that meeting on every Monday, you want to ask every single team member, you know, what, what was your, what was the highlight of your, of your week last week? What was the low point of your week last week? And you want to be explicit to also say to them that high and that low of last week, it can be professional or it could be personal, right? And you're not forcing them to tell, to air their dirty laundry about, you know, some relationship challenge they're having at home, but you're giving them the opportunity to do so, right? And so when I say you've got to enable these relationships, enable this vulnerability in your team, that's what I mean. You've got to be intentional about giving team members the opportunity to share about themselves and build those relationships and even share vulnerably among the team. You as the leader, you've got to equip the team to do that because they won't just do that naturally on their own. You've got to lead the team into doing that. When you build those relationships and their vulnerable relationships, your trust has just gone up. What do you think there, Stephen? Yeah, when I think vulnerability, I think, you know, just the thing that comes to my mind is, you know, you got to be real, right? You got to be real. You got to be a human being. You've got to uh, not pretend that you're something that you're not. Every day in business, it can be hectic, it can, it can be busy, it can be distracting, and sometimes it's easy to lose sight of, you know, we're all we're all people, and we respond and react to things differently. And to be vulnerable is to be genuine, is to be real. And it's if there are problems or struggles, it's to acknowledge them and to help with them and to serve others by helping them get on top of that or, or improve. And that's what I think of when, when you talk about that. I really like the idea of the high and the low and the staff meeting, kind of like our mastermind group. It's almost, it's almost, you could start a staff meeting or a team meeting with the win of the week, right? You could yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, and much like our mastermind group, you know, I mean, we've never stipulated that, that the win of the week had to be something business related. Right. You, you know, occasionally we, we bring to the mastermind, our win of the week, it's something pretty personal to our, to, to, to ourselves, Right. So it, it just enables that realness to your, to your point, right. It, it enables us to talk and share with one another in a real way, you know, real true life way that builds the relationships necessary for trust. You know, it, it it's easy to treat people like a number. I mean, that's probably commonplace. You come into work, you're you're expected to deliver X result. You're expected to to do this many things. You're expected to place this many calls and take this many orders. These uh, that that is, I think, the stereotypical norm of what corporate environment is or any type of business, but. If you want to be a business that's different, if you want to be a leader that's different, if you want to have team members that will absolutely climb a wall for you, it's this notion of trust. It's this notion of being vulnerable and being genuine and showing genuine, real care and concern for what's going on in their life. They may be at work eight hours a day, but those other those other uh, 16 hours a day, they could be with, uh, you know, uh, custody issues and kids not listening. And there could be personal drug issues at home. There could be all types of circumstances that make going to work for them almost like a safe haven. And uh, don't 
lose or forget any opportunity that you might have to encourage someone to pick up on body language, to, to, buy, to know your people will make these things much more clear and evident for you. And then you can serve them. And when you serve them, like this thing we talk about in the entrepreneurial space of know, like, and trust, if you want to have traction with the client, you got to get them to know, like, and trust you. If you want to have uh, the relationship that resonates with your team and those team members, they have to know you, like you, trust you. And that doesn't happen through a sentence with a couple of periods on it. It happens through behavior and genuine concern and care over time and how you how you interact and engage with them. So all good stuff, my friend. Uh, good conversation here. Excellent. Good. Yeah. I mean, you know, your call to action as it relates to building trust in your team. Again, the context is you're the leader of a team and you feel like you want to build more trust within that team. Well, your call to action is three pronged here. First of all, look at yourself. You've got to become trustworthy. Do what you say you're going to do. Start there. Second of all, you've got to trust first. You've got to extend trust to your team and team members so that you can set the example as to how to do that, how to extend trust to your team members. And then third, as the leader, you've got to enable that team to build relationships, even to the point that they're vulnerable relationships, because that's the type of environment that really grows trust. So that's your call to action as leaders this week. Awesome. Awesome. That's a nice bow on that. Let's go ahead and uh, transition to behind the Behind the scenes this week, Michael, how are you yes, doing in your business, my friend? Well, I, I'm doing, I'm excited. I'm really, really excited. I mean, obviously you and I, we, we've both been doing a lot. We've been working really, really hard. We're, we're doing everything that we can to, as you just alluded to, to build up that know, like, and trust, to get people, more people to know who we are, that we exist, get to the point where the content we're sharing, that they like what they are hearing from us and and that it's creating value for them and getting them to the point where they 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 just trust the advice that we're giving and in, in, in the things that we're providing for them. And I'm really at a point now where uh, I've been doing a lot of that, obviously, uh, that, you know, get to know, like, and trust me. And I'm at a point now where I really want to begin to create what I'm, what I'm considering to be my first major offering, if you will. Now, we've been offering up coaching and things like that and in these small things along the way. Uh, but I'm really excited and, and it's something I'll be talking to our mastermind group this week about, about building an offering around team building. So today we talked about, you know, uh, as a leader of a team and you're wanting to build trust. Well, I really want to put together a really, really comprehensive offering for my audience such that if they feel like they need a better team, Maybe they're just a member of the team or maybe they're a leader of the team. And for whatever reason, they're not as uh, proficient and efficient as a team that, that they want to be. And I'm putting together uh, what I consider a you know, pretty major offering around, uh, even to the point it could be workshop where, where I come in and two or three day workshop where I just work with the team to the point of making them a really, really solid, cohesive team. Because I believe that a good, cohesive team, that's a competitive advantage over all of your competitors. No matter what industry you're in, 
you're, you're kind of all doing the same thing, maybe as it relates to innovation and creating products and, and bringing value to your customers and so forth. You're, you and your competitive, uh, competitors, they're probably, you're all probably doing something, some things that are very, very similar. But if you have a team and it's a really, really cohesive, high trust team, then I believe you have a competitive advantage over all of your other competitors because while you may be making similar products, you can make them faster and you can make them better and you can respond to your customers better because you have a good cohesive team. So I see it as a competitive advantage. And so that's what I want to build out an offering uh, to my audience is, is around how you can build better teams. So I'm excited to share uh, that with our mastermind this week. I don't even know what the details of that really look like yet, but I really feel like I'm at a point to start to build that next or build up that offering. So I'm excited to move into that. And I'll certainly share more with our audience here, what that looks like as it evolves. But I, that's where I'm at. What about you, Stephen? Well, I'm looking forward to our mastermind meeting you know, coming up soon and uh, hearing all about the details. So I'm a bit on the edge of my seat and I, I think you're going to do great with that. That falls right in line with, with uh, who you are and who you're showing up at as in the world. So I think that's going to be a great fit for you. So um, congratulations on that. I'm looking forward to hearing more. Uh, as for me, let me see. This last week, I did two podcast interviews. I was on uh, our mutual friend, Dr. Pillay's podcast. I'm not sure if that's even posted yet, honestly. If you, if, I, I don't even know. He was working on it. I, I, haven't, I haven't looked yet. Yeah. yeah. I've subscribed to his podcast, but I haven't. Uh, man, w without the commute, I, I'm falling behind on all my podcast <laughs> yeah. listening. But, yeah, uh, the, I don't know yet. Yeah, you love the, the traffic. Uh, you know, I don't mind it. Uh, it it's, I tell you, one thing going into work every day, it's been... It's been smooth sailing, no traffic. I, uh, I've enjoyed that, but uh, you're right. i trying to stay up on podcasts. Now I only have a 30-minute instead of a 50-minute commute. I'm falling behind. So, yeah. um, But for me, I've done those two podcast interviews, one with Dr. Play. I did one with um, a Chuck Martin, who is leading the, uh, who is putting on this, this virtual summit coming up in May that I'm going to be speaking at. So I did a podcast interview with him on Friday, actually my second one with him because the first one had some technical glitches. We had to re-record that. So that'll be coming out next week. Also, I'm in this group coaching. I think I've mentioned I'm in this group coaching um, course with uh, five people finding a niche business. It's with uh, a friend of mine, Jake Lang, who is a, a kind of a serial niche business guy. He has five or six websites, makes uh, about eight to ten thousand dollars a month, month in and month out of just pure passive income, without hardly any work. So uh, he's got a few of us together. We've joined his coaching program. I've I've found a niche, uh, kind of an old niche, new niche thing for me. I had written a book back in the '90s and um, had kind of put it on the shelf and and realized after some research with Jake that um, there are a lot of people doing keyword research looking for this type of information that's underserved. So I'm actually dusting that off, um, updating that that book again, building a new website out. I just created a 14-page lead magnet today to to offer folks, you know, secured the domain, did all that. So you know, part of me part of me just likes the geekiness of doing it. You know, building it out. I just get excited about kind of like leadership and nerding out um, or geeking out. You say nerd, I say geek. Tomato, tomato, but yep. 
but um, you know, there's there's 50% of me that just loves getting my hands and making sausage and building these uh, building these sites out and learning so much along the way. And then the other half is really exploring an area that's underserved to see how I can uh, you know swoop in and, and add some value and serve some folks and some clients that maybe um, are otherwise underserved. So I think it's a double-edged win for me, and and that's what I've been working on. And but you're right, just uh, busier than all busy could be. I tell you, it's you know day job and and still going into rolling into work every day and and given given everything I have there and then finding that time at night like a lot of us entrepreneurs do that uh, you know that nine to five and then the five to nine kind of kind of deal. But uh, this is what we do. It's what we love doing, and I don't regret any aspect of it. So that's that's what's on tap for me. Looks like you've got a lot going on. And with that, um, you want to go ahead and start closing us up? Yeah, let's do that. So um, from a leadership standpoint, again, just, you know, build trust in your team. Be trustworthy yourself, trust first, and then, you know, enable your team to build those relationships, vulnerable relationships where trust can foster. Um, I, I, I fail to say so on the, on the podcast oftentimes, but we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast. We'd love for you to rate and review the podcast. You can head over to leaderpreneurshow.com, leaderpreneurshow.com. That's where you can subscribe in, in a number of different podcast directories. While you're in those podcast directories, you can certainly leave us a rating and review as well. That way, you'll ensure you never miss a single episode of, of Stephen and I uh, geeking out on leadership. I'll use his term this time. Uh, so, uh, you know, be sure you subscribe to the podcast. And then for all things Stephen, all things Stephen and Stephen Faust leadership, you want to head over to aerospaceleader.com, aerospaceleader.com. And then for me, you'll find everything that is my leadership, my community, and so forth. You'll find that over at credibleleaders.com. So be sure you check those out. And then next week, next week, Stephen and I are going to talk to you about how to conduct one-on-one -on -one meetings, the importance of and how do you conduct those individual one-on-one -on -one meetings with your team members. So you don't want to miss that. And until Stephen and I speak to you again next week, from us both, be blessed and lead well. Thank you.